the thing about all high achievers uh, and people that excel, you know, in their fields, whatever that may be, is they're all super authentic. Uh, it's not that they don't care about, well, I guess it is, it's they don't care what other people think. It's, it's not that they live their life in a way that's totally disregards other people, but they are true to themselves and true to what they want. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rage Active podcast. We're bringing you insightful conversations to help you live an active and inspired life. So make sure you hit subscribe so that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. I'm your host, Rachel J, and I'm so excited to welcome my guest to the show today. He is the editor of Men's Health Australia. He also hosts a podcast called Live Life in Sneakers. He makes regular appearances as the health and men's lifestyle expert on Sunrise and has contributed to other publications such as nine.com.au, Who Magazine and Women's Health and so many more. Welcome to the show, Scott Henderson. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. This is kind of yeah. like the tables are reversed. It's um, it's it's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. I'm so excited to have you on the show. And um, I actually saw Lisa, we were just chatting about Lisa earlier before we hit record. So Lisa Gebelagen is the editor of Women's Health. And when I was up in Sydney, I caught up with her and you actually came up in our conversation. So you probably have her to thank for this call up, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I know people call you Hendo, but I'm going to go with Scotty. You can call think... me whatever you want. You're the host. <laughs> I'm, I'm your humble guest. So yeah, whatever works, um, I'll answer Awesome. To. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Scotty, you're quite, you've got quite a background in sports and health and fitness. So I'm interested for you to tell me a little bit about that because it kind of spans back quite a while, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's only because I'm super old now. But um, it's <laughs> um, yeah, I actually didn't come from a journalism background, which is kind of weird for for someone in my job. Um, journalism is something that I guess I trained for on the job, um, and it's just something that I that I absolutely love um, and have a huge respect for. But um, but I'm still learning out. But yeah, I started. Um, I did like a sports science equivalent kind of degree. Um, and that was probably 15 years ago. I started that maybe a bit longer. Um, so yeah, so I kind of, I started in the whole kind of like science of, of health and movement and nutrition. Um, cause that's kind of where my passion has always lied. I wanted to be a physio, but you have to be smart to be a physio. So I <laughs> didn't get into that one. <laughs> so you did Bachelor of Sports Science and you did that in yep. Sydney and also you you studied in Europe as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So I did um, a stint. I did a double degree. So I did a Bachelor of um, International Studies uh, and majored in Spanish. So went over to Spain and um, kind of just did my same studies, but over there in Spanish. So yeah, um, right. I always get nervous it, telling people that because there's like this look in the eye and they're like, yeah, no, I speak Spanish. I'm about to test you. But it's been <laughs> so long since I've been there that <laughs> that would fail. I don't speak Spanish, so that's not going to happen. Okay, perfect. Yeah, fluent. <laughs> yeah. Totally fluent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So good. I believe you. <laughs> and then I've, I've heard you say as well that you did a little stint um, in the US as well, right? Doing a bit of sports science stuff over there too. Yeah, I was really lucky. I got to do an internship um, with the Stanford... Stanford University, which is in California, um, their athletics department. Um, so I was over there during basketball season um, and I got to work kind of, um, I guess, on the events and, and kind of training and see the facilities they have over there, which was which was phenomenal because, I mean, their facilities in the US and the money that's behind just even college sport is, um, you know, it, they our professional athletes are kind of catching up and that that money is is getting there but the facilities that they have there are just um next level like it was kind of like as a sports scientist nerd going there it just blew my mind at kind of you know the equipment they had the research tools and and the investment they put in their athletes and just how seriously they took their college sport it um and the support as well from the fans, you know. Um, yeah. and, and the other thing that was really great over there was, um, you know, I know you would, you spoke a lot um, with Lisa about like women in sport, for example. It's, um, you know, there's female athletes there are, are held in hot, as high regard as the male athletes. There's no disparity there in college sport. Yeah. It's, um, the fans are just so supportive. It's, it's a really great atmosphere. 
That's so cool. It's so yeah. good also that I feel like you've had such a broad, okay, I guess, range of experience. Um, aside from that though, I'm, I'm interested to know um, what are the differences like you noticed in the way people approach sport in the differing cultures? I mean, obviously you just touched on there that in the US, they just take it, a, they've got the resources to take it a little bit more seriously and and the level that they kind of play to. But did you notice or what have you noticed were other differences culturally? Well, look, I guess you have to be realistic. Like they have the population to sustain a lot more sport. Um, you know, we are a small percentage of their population. So I totally get it. We can't have um, as many sports or as many codes or, or pump as much money into kind of college systems and that sort of thing. So I, I definitely understand how that works. But um, I think, uh, you know, everything in the US is just bigger. Yeah. <laughs> everything is just literally. Like, and and Stanford as well. Like I also recognize like that's, a, that's a, an extremely prestigious place to kind of do an internship and, and kind of have access to all those resources. Like that's world-class. That, that's pretty, mm. pretty lucky. And, it, but, you know, like the town I studied in Spain was, um, you know, I think it was 200,000 people in the whole town. It was super small. So on the flip side, I've kind of seen how they've done, how they've approached sport on a much more kind of, I guess, like community level, um, which also has its benefits. And I think, you know, in Australia, in terms of Australia um, and New Zealand, we're kind of almost that happy hybrid. Like sport really is a community and brings people together here. Um, but then we do have the facilities and the infrastructure to kind of facilitate big sporting events as well, which is really, really cool. Yeah, that's so cool. And I feel like I said before, yeah, it's cool to be able to see the different, almost to what we what we probably would be aspiring to Australia in terms of bigger events and things like that because they've, they've set like a standard obviously. And so you do we do want to be aspirational in, in kind of – taking it to that level right yeah well definitely I mean I definitely came back and just even um not even the I mean they had all this stuff like you know the tools and and kind of tricks of the trade and and stuff to to do testing like you know sports scientific testing and you know they were so ahead of the game in recovery and and that sort of thing um even just you know this was in 2008 I think and just to recognize that recovery was an important part of training was already ahead of the game at that point (laughs) um and but I think being open to those principles, um, I actually forgot what we were talking about because I just, uh, this is what happens. I go on a sports science rant and I just get so passionate <laughs> and it just spews off everywhere. Um, Love it. But yeah, I think there's a lot we can learn and kind of bring back here and we don't need the resources or the money or the infrastructure. We can just take the ideas and, and kind of be open and, and, you know, they're doing the research for us. So let's kind of like see what works mm. and we can bring that into what we do. Yeah, and just kind of innovate it and adapt it to what the resources that we do have, and totally, and yeah, try and that, yeah. Um, like you mentioned before, your your trajectory, I guess, from kind of moving into this career in publishing hasn't been a traditional sort of journal route. You were kind of a bit of an entrepreneur and also working with health and fitness brands um, prior to your publishing work. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey? And what you were doing yeah, prior to men's health. Sure. So I guess since finishing the studies, I've always been in health and fitness um, or around sport or that kind of area. Um, you know, there are a few deviations um, that are stricken off the LinkedIn profile. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um yeah, so essentially what I, I kind of found my way into um, PR and marketing for health and um, health and fitness brands. Uh, so I was doing that on my own. Um, and then I actually met a lady, Kerry Gattay, who still does that. And we realized, you know, we had complementing skill sets, but we were in the same business. So we joined our business. So we had kind of like a PR and marketing agency together, um, again, in health and health and fitness. Um, and so we did that for a few years. Um, while we were doing that, we actually launched an active swimwear brand together as well which was um, a total curveball because it was, you know, um, obviously we brought what we wanted and, you know, I kind of brought that sports science, I guess, functionality and what we wanted in the product and how we wanted it to perform and what we wanted to do. But then you kind of also touch into the fashion world then because you, you're all of a sudden producing a product and, and you know, raising capital and, and all this kind of stuff that was all foreign. But again, you know, just learnt, learnt on the job and um, Carrie was fantastic. She's a uh, phenomenal business brain. So, um, so yeah, so did that. And then, um, 
what happened was I knew the men's health crew through the PR business. Um, and then this job came up where they were looking for a digital editor. Um, so at that time we had the PR business, the swimwear, and then this kind of opportunity floated. And I was like, well, I'll step away from the PR business, take this full-time job so we have income and then we can keep going with the swimwear business. Um, so yeah, so that's where I flipped from the PR side to the journalism side. Yeah, that's awesome. I think a lot of people in this space, even if they're a journo entrepreneur or working in PR or marketing, it kind of all rotates around each other. It's all quite similar in that, in some respects. Um, um, but I'm interested to know, obviously the thing that does tie in to, together is, is an interest in storytelling, right? And so I'm interested to know what it is about storytelling that inspires you so much. Um, that's a really great question. And we were just talking before we started to record about how, I mean, it is weird for me to be asked questions because my job and my living is telling other people's stories. And I just never think that mine is worth telling. So thank you even for just <laughs> inviting me on this podcast, even if this oh, never gets released. Um, but yeah, I think, I just think, you know, I've always been super curious and I, and I love, um, I'm kind of like a puppy. Like if there's something shiny, I'll like chase it. And like, you know, I love training and I love learning about different parts of training and, and new techniques and, and kind of new developments and scientific kind of research. But the same with people. I love hearing people's experiences with things, you know, good, bad, you know, everyone has a story and people love telling their story. Um, and I guess I'm just really lucky that I love listening to the, to people's stories. I don't necessarily yeah. want to talk about myself ever because I, uh, no one cares, but I think everyone, <laughs> you know, people just, people are so fascinating. And, um, I often say like, if I ever went back to study, I think I would go back and study psychology just cause I love to kind of, and that's also why I love men's health is like, I love sharing these stories because not every story is going to be for everyone, but there are aspects to how everyone lives their life that I think we can all draw from, you know, like everyone is doing something right in some aspect of their life that works for them. And I, I just think that's kind of beautiful. Like <laughs> it's a yeah. little bit poetic, you know, like we can all learn something from everyone else. It's, it's kind of incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree with you and I have very similar feelings about stories. Um, I'm, I'm also interested to know what it is specifically about storytelling that you think can have a profound effect on people and how they live their lives. Well, I think we all like feeling a part of something, right? Um, so I think it's when you are open to hearing other people's stories um, and hopefully through the ways that we're telling them, um, that if there's something that you connect with, I think people love that connection and love, it's like social media, you know, social media gets such a terrible rap and, and I totally get it. It's, it's pretty toxic, but there are such great things, you know, like if you are, you know, you feel different or you're struggling with yourself or your identity or whatever, and you live in a rural community that's maybe not accepting of that, I feel like things like social media open up um, and, you know, storytelling on a macro level or on a micro level open up the world so you can actually realise you're not alone. Like your tribe is out there somewhere. Um, and I think, you know, we, we can learn lessons from people. Um, I, I just think that the key is telling the story in the right way and getting that message out to people and connecting, connecting to people. Yeah, 100%. I really like that too. The whole whole point of connection and how, yeah, I, I agree with you with social media. Like it is one of those things where it's it can be seen as really toxic, but the I guess the silver lining is that it opens up those connections or those communication channels to reach people that you may not have ever connected with, right? Um, and one of the other things I love about stories is that as humans, I think we're just natural storytellers and we, you know, we interpret things in different ways, things that happen to us or the stories that we read or consume. We also tell ourselves stories about things that we experience, right? And so how we frame things, how we communicate things to ourselves, I think can really help us, you know, informs the way that we show up in the world, right? So I, 
totally with you with this whole um, storytelling thing. I really Absolutely. love it Absolutely. More stories. And you're doing a great thing like with this podcast. You're getting stories out there. So <laughs> You too. <laughs> Both telling stories about other people. <laughs> this is water, by the way, not wine. It just looks... <laughs> it's a very just interesting water Just because I know you're recording, so I was like, I'd better just explain that. <laughs> we'll just put a little disclaimer on the visuals that yeah. you're drinking wine right now. <laughs> So obviously as the editor of Men's Health, you have done some really amazing features and interviews with people like Chris Hemsworth, he's a big one. And actually one of my favourite covers was your October 2021 cover, which um, featured Simu Liu, who's actually um, the first Men's Health Australia cover star of Asian descent, which is very, very cool to see. So I'm interested to know who is the most interesting person that you have interviewed and what did you learn from them? Um, this is always a really tough one to answer without sounding like a wanker. <laughs> um, but I mean, we have been very, very fortunate. We've got to speak to some incredibly uh, just brilliant minds. Um, mine, my favorite ones are always kind of the ones you wouldn't expect to be honest um Simu was amazing he like chatting to him was was an absolute blessing Jason Momoa has been another one who you just hang up and you want to be a better person just being in his presence um but uh I mean I'm just tossing up in my head how to answer this because I feel like our upcoming issue is probably one of the best (laughs) And, and I'll tell you I'll tell you who it is we did we just did a cover with um Jay Shetty who I don't know if you know Jay Shetty. oh my god yeah, I you love do? Jay Great. Shetty yeah, I do perfect. love Jay Shetty he's so good at what he does he's phenomenal so it's a really and this is something I've tried to do ever since I got the the editor role at Men's Health is uh, I think we're at this place now where we know that health is largely mental um and to try and push you know we're not men's aesthetics we're men's health so try to push that emphasis off abs and biceps because the science like everyone knows how to get them now if you want to get that just google it you know that's cool we're we're about telling bigger stories on health now um and jay is just this guy that he's really managed to bridge the gap between kind of spirituality and and, and you know meditation and stuff but make it apply it to a modern context where I feel like there's been a huge disconnect in that kind of area for a while where you know he's a businessman he he lives a modern life he has a wife he you know he he drives a car he buys expensive things he's not the monk that he was in the ashram you know he's 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 out there now and um I just he's one of those people that I feel like should be on the cover of Men's Health. And, and you know, just mm. I didn't do the interview, but I, but I did get to speak to him in the lead up to it just uh, as we pulled the issue together because he's really forthcoming and, and um, wanted to be a part of the process, which was great. And um, phenomenal guy, just great, great mind. I'm so jealous of that, actually. I, I love Jay. I love Jay Shady so much. If you guys listening don't know who Jay is, um, he has a podcast called On Purpose with Jay Shetty, so you can check that out. But he, he, you're right. Like he's one of those people that obviously has taken his experience as a monk. So he spent a few years as a monk and then mm. translated that into. And he has an incredible talent for storytelling and Absolutely. the way that he's, you know, the way that he's able to, um, I guess, translate those kind of spiritual philosophies into something, like you said, more applicable that we can apply to our modern day life. Um, I'm so excited to see that um, yeah, to see that cover and that story. It's amazing. Another one actually that is a great one that I feel like your listeners will resonate with is um, Ross Edgley. I don't know if you know Ross Edgley. So I don't. He's a, um, he calls himself a philosopher of fitness, um, but basically he is this British guy. He's living in Australia at the moment, but he's this British guy that. Um, Again, he just loves the science of fitness, but he'll go out there and kind of, you know, he'll hear about some tribe in in the mountains that lives a certain way. So he'll go out and live with them for six months. And um, But he's most famous for a couple of years ago, I think in 2018 maybe, he swam around the UK, so around the Isle of the UK. And I talk about him on every interview I do just because he's incredible, but he, um, you know, he's all about mindset and, you know, the, there's this thing called the science of the smile, where if you smile, it, it boosts your performance and, and resilience and, and, you know, to swim around the UK, like that took him 166 days. He was swimming. He didn't touch land. You know, he's an incredible, incredible athlete, but also just such a giving 
a man and such a great storyteller. Like he just, you sit there and you listen and he just, he just has this way. Like he's another one of those people where you leave and you go, I want to be a better person just because I've been around Ross Edgley and I need to honor him. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. And that it's so cool. I think that uh, what we get to do for this kind of work is to talk to all of these really Mm. inspiring and interesting people. And, you know, I, like you said, I, I learn so much from the people that I interview on my podcast, like like you said you do as well. What is the biggest lesson you think you've learned from the people that you have interviewed? Like what sort of stands out? Um, oh, that's a, another really, really great question. Um, but look, I think the thing about all high achievers uh, and people that excel in their uh you know, in their fields, whatever that may be, is they're all super authentic. Uh, it's not that they don't care about, well, I guess it is. It's they don't care what other people think. It's, it's not that they live their life in a way that's totally disregards other people, but they are true to themselves and true to what they want. Um, and I think, you know, I, by nature, am a people pleaser, um, but that is not why I was put in this job. I was put in this job for what I believe is right and what I believe you know what stories you know obviously I don't know everything and I have a phenomenal team that I constantly ask questions for but I think um it's they just have this great self-belief um and and self-value and they they just really value their own worth which is something that I'm working on (laughs) I think we all are working on that constantly right it's it's a never never ending process I I love that and I think like you said even talking about Jay and and Ross you know those those interviews that you really loved there is something about people that kind of carry themselves in that way and it's I, I would probably describe it as being like a presence it's not even something that's like tangible you can't even almost describe just describe yeah. it with words right it's just like you just feel a certain way after you're around these people and it's it's I so know. Cool. you literally just it's like so cheesy but you know that feeling you like want to run out the front of your house and like punch the air and just like skip <laughs> down the road and like I don't know rescue a dog from the river or like, like it's just that that kind of vibe they're, they're these people and they're incredible. Yeah, 100%. Actually, I mean, I, I, I guess to throw that back on you, like who's the, what's an interview that stands out for you? Do you have one? Um. Oh, wow. you've invent, in, interviewed some incredible minds as well. Yeah, I think, God, no one's asked me that question. I don't usually get interviewed either. Yeah, so sorry. Don't <laughs> what's the habit, you know? <laughs> I, I actually really liked interviewing Alexa Towsey, who you probably know yes, anyway. She's Action Alexa. I love Action yeah, Alexa. Yeah, <laughs> she has a great story. And mm. and I think one of the things I really love about the, like certain guests that I interview, and I think the ones that are most memorable, even Lisa, I really, I really, really loved um, my interview with Lisa. Um, and then one we released just you know, recently Ashley Ray, who's the um, CEO of Marla Collective, who also was a journalist as well, actually. They have gone through something you know, they've, they've been challenged by something. They've gone through this journey and you can see, I guess, when you tease out the story where they started and the challenges that they faced along the way and then obviously the growth that they had to achieve as a person to overcome those challenges. And I think, I mean, it's the hero's journey, right? We all know the story of yeah. this kind of archetypal um, story arc of, you know, you start somewhere um, you face a fear, something that, you know, to you is really scary. It might not be to somebody else, but you kind of step up and step up to the plate and, and take the challenge. And I think they're the stories or they're the people that I find most inspiring because like you said, we were talking about stories earlier that you see, you can see yourself in these stories and, and it inspires you to do the same in your life. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great – thanks for asking the question. No, that's all right. I'm glad you said Alexa. I love Alexa. She's yeah, it was she's it was so person. good and and her, her story is so incredible and what she's gone through in mm. her life. So, you know, it was really inspiring to hear that. So I think like you touched on earlier, this whole, um, I guess, the face of men's health, right, and the shifting perception of what men's health should be. I think traditionally there is a perception of what a cover star of men's health should look like. Or represent, and it's almost it ties into this collective cultural narrative of masculinity, mm-hmm. and you know what it means to be a man, how you should be, what you should look like, what attributes you should have, and you know we hear so much about 
the conversation of body image and all of those kinds of things for women. But I'm curious to know from a male's perspective, your perspective about the idea of masculinity, about how it has been traditionally portrayed in the media and, you know, can you kind of speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like I'll just be brutally honest in this answer. Um, I think uh, it has been portrayed poorly and insensitively um, in the past. Um, and, and that's no one's fault. I think, you know, um, they probably 20 years ago <laughs> when, you know, publications like Men's Health launched, they knew what sold and that was abs and biceps. Um, and that was kind of a formula that was rolled out and, and it kind of kept selling. But I think the world is a very, very different place, um, especially in the last probably five years. Um, my predecessor, Luke, was, was great at recognising that as well. He did great cover stories with, with a really diverse range of cover guys. Um, and I think, you know, as much as you want, you want to see yourself represented in media, but you also want to see, uh, you want to hear a diverse range of stories and you want to hear um and you know we're a diverse society, so you can't always just stick to one kind of kind of um, cover guy or, or kind of story to tell because that gets boring and and you'll lose your audience. Um, in terms of, I guess, the pressures that men's face, you know, they're definitely there. I wouldn't say they're as extreme as as probably what women face, but. Um, mm. But I think that's something that we've been able to do and, and kind of experiment with and play with and kind of put. Um, so Ross, I'll use go back to Ross for an example, um, just because I'm obviously obsessed with him. Um, but um, <laughs> he is an extremely ripped guy, like like you know, the classic men's health cover guy. When we put him on the cover, though, he was puffy. Um, so basically the, the story behind the cover was he swam around the UK. So it's 166 days to do that, but your body adapts to that kind of stimulus. So when you're swimming in cold water, your body puts on a layer of fat because it's blubber, because it needs to protect from the elements and keep you warm and insulate you. So this photo was taken on the day that he finished that swim and wow. he's all hairy, he's puffy, he's scarred because he's been stung by jellyfish, his wetsuits rubbed his neck and cut him. Um, wow. But that is the body that he did this superhuman feat and swam, you know, around uh, the island of the UK. And that body at that time was the fittest body on earth. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't pretty, it wasn't ripped, um, it wasn't waxed, <laughs> it wasn't airbrushed. Um, that was him in his vessel, you know, that took him um, around the world. And he said um, during that interview, you know, he has this great quote that is, your body is an instrument, not an ornament. Um, Mm. And I think that's pretty much sums up our approach at the moment. You know, it's, um, we just want to feel well. And, And as terrible as, you know, as far as the mental health conversation goes, so I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but as far as the mental health conversation goes for men, you know, there have been some great organisations and great people that have really forwarded that cause and, and kind of done it real justice. And um, as terrible as the last two years have been, it's really accelerated that conversation because uh, this experience has been shared by every single person on the planet. No one has been left untouched by it. And we've never really had something like that before. Whereas I think before that period, mental health, for some people was just an intangible kind of thing that was talked about and out there. But, you know, whether you've experienced yourself in the last two years you, you, or someone you know has, every single person has been touched by by mental health in some way. So I think we're a lot more receptive to that conversation. Yeah, 100%. And I think, like you said, yeah, COVID has just been this thing that has, it has destigmatized mental health to a degree because, yeah, like you said, we've all experienced it to some degree or another. So it becomes normal to, to talk about it. But I think, you know, traditionally with men, it's it's been a bit of a sensitive topic in some ways in that not many men, and I'm generalizing here, but not many men feel comfortable in speaking about that or sharing, I guess, if they are struggling through things like that. So I'm I'm sort of interested to know there, we, we'll just go off on this tangent anyways, um, <laughs> what, because what, we we're going to talk about it, um, mental health. What, what do you think is the biggest block to 
men opening up about any sort of mental health struggles that they may be dealing with? I think at the moment, probably the biggest thing is on the flip side and it's the people being opened up to and not knowing how to then respond. Um, So I think there's been great headway made in in kind of destigmatizing being vulnerable. Um, I don't think it's seen as a sign of weakness anymore, or at least I, I, I hope that it wouldn't be. Um, I think it's now on the men are a little bit like, oh crap, like my mate just told me he's really struggling. Like, what do I say? I don't want to make it worse. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, like I don't have the tools to do this. And you do like the first thing to do is listen. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just say, I hear you, you know, Um just letting your mate talk is a great step. But I, I kind of think maybe that's where we need to kind of take the conversation is, is to kind of, okay, okay, cool, these issues are there. How we how do we address them? How do we best support? Do we, you know, what do we say? How do we say it? Um, how do we go about that? So, um, yeah, I think, um, I think that's probably where we're at in the conversation. Mm. Yeah, because the stigma has been broken somewhat. So we're kind of a little bit further along that path. Yeah, and it, and it is important. Like that was a really good way to put it. It, it has been broken somewhat. Like obviously we need yeah. to keep working at that, but um, but it definitely. Uh, I, I I would hope that people would find themselves within a safe space or at least know where they can access a safe space to kind of talk about these things. Yeah, one of the things I really love about what you're doing with men's health as a brand, but also, you know, even on your website with sneakers and, and the podcast and everything is that it's in, it is incorporating mental and emotional well-being into the messaging of the, of, of the brand rather than it just being, like we were talking about earlier, just being focused on aesthetics. We've, we have come to realise that that health isn't just how you look or how ripped you are or whatever it is, right? One of the articles that I saw on the website. So you, so Scott has a, a sneakers website as well, which is the Live Life in Sneakers podcast and website. And there is a specific dedicated mental health resource section, which is so cool to see. And one of the things that I saw was um, an article, and, and I've never seen this before, framed for a male audience, plenty for women, but not as much for, for men. Um, so this is the title of the, the article, consider this before you shame your lockdown body. Like for a, for a male audience, which I find to be so refreshing to see. Have you, I mean, when you put together that article, is it because you had noticed that that was happening a lot, conversations with your mates or like other guys or... You know, yeah, totally. That, Absolutely. Yeah, but the right. way the way that men do it is they joke about it, you know. We'll yeah. be like, oh, I can't leave the house yet, you know. Ha ha ha. Or <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Um Yeah, and it, pretty much with everyone, you know, I felt like especially after last year's lockdown, there was almost like re-entry anxiety from almost every man, every woman I spoke to. Everyone was kind of like, oh, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, to be in front of people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But but no, I, I found it came up quite a lot, you know, even people going back to the gym. You know, I had mates that didn't want to go to the gym to get their fitness back because they were worried because they weren't fit. Which is just such a yeah. funny way of thinking when you when you kind of address it because you're going to the gym to feel better and to to kind of you know to to work towards your health. Um, no one is going to judge you if your health is not perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because yeah. first of all, no one's health is perfect to start with. But I think as well, you know, at the gym, no one actually cares what you're doing. They're too focused on themselves anyway. So, hundred <laughs> yeah. um, percent. But yeah, no, I, I kind of I find that a lot with, um, especially in the last couple of months. I mean, it's always been a thing. Is, is you know. Um, I guess going back to Alexa, I, I met Alexa through a gym that we went to, which which is a great gym that she works at called 98 Riley Street. Um, and the training there is quite tough and, and, you know, their social media is all like black and white and like, you know, kind of really motivational rock songs and stuff. But I would have people that say, we'd go, I'd be like, oh, come and train with me there. And they're like, oh, I could never, like it's too hardcore. And I was like, there's no judgment there. Like it's, it's we're all working on our fitness. Yes, we might be at different stages of our journey, but um. But yeah, that kind of thing has been exacerbated, I feel like, since lockdowns have lifted and people haven't gone back to the gyms in, in waves because they're embarrassed or, or, you know, they feel like they're not where they want to be. 
which is yeah. which is strange because the only way to do that is to actually go to the gym. And yeah. and if there's one message I can just give people, it's like nobody will judge you. Uh, again, everyone is just focused on themselves. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, it's a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's too busy worrying about their own stuff to worry about you. And I totally. think, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's so fascinating to me that that I mean, you know, as women, I think we we again we obviously probably have conversations with each other a lot more. And so to hear it from a male's perspective and to know that it's not isolated to, you know, women only. And, you know, what one thing I loved about that um, article was that, you know, because you had, um, you featured Danny Rollins on there. She was from the Butterfly Foundation. And, um, and, and then typically, you know, Butterfly Foundation is uh, associated more with women's body image. But, you know, it's, I just think it's so good to kind of, have it cross cross the genders, you know, and have it available for yeah. men as well. It's know? something, I mean, um, it's something as well we, we've kind of tried to work on in men's health. Um, you know, I, again, you know, a, a lot of body pressures do come from the media. So, so, you know, we do have to take some responsibility, but, you know, we've done a lot of articles on, on body dysmorphia. Um, you know, it, it's kind of guys that, um, think they're not big enough even, you know, they, they think they're yeah. not muscly enough or not strong enough. And um, there is, and, you know, it leads to substance abuse in terms of, um, you know, uh, performance enhancers and that sort of thing, which have that come with their own host of, of side effects and kind of, kind of problems. But it's, um, yeah, it, it is a real thing for guys as well. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm too small. I'm too big. I don't look like this guy. I don't function like this guy. But again, you know, it's the same male, female, anyone in the world. We, we come in all different shapes and sizes and um, heights and, you know, it's, it's, it's how we, how we are. And that's kind of the beauty of it all. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. And I'll be honest, like it took me a long time, you know, my own personal journey. I always wanted to be big, like a big beefy guy but I'm a human greyhound and I had to kind of come to peace with that and you know what as soon as I did it was great because I was like oh well do you know what my body's good for running yeah (laughs) running and swimming I have long levers so um I was like I've tried to lift heavy things and and occasionally I do and and that's great and I get them off the floor and drop them down again but um I'm never gonna be a strong man um just because of the way my makeup is I mean, I mean, I could be, don't get me wrong. Like I know people listening will be like, well, you could if you ate this way and trained this way, but I'm more predisposed to endurance and that's the way my body was built. So I kind of, what I thought were my weaknesses, I kind of flipped that script and I was like, well, if I apply this and it just so happens, I like kind of endurance stuff as well. So it, it kind of worked that way. <laughs> yeah, it works well. No, I yeah. love that. And I love that you're able to share that too, because like I said, you know, it's it's definitely not a story that I've heard very much of from a male's perspective. And, you know, it's, it's definitely not something, I guess, in mainstream messaging a lot. I don't think um, that kind of uh, narrative around men feeling the pressure, you know, to, mm. to be, to look a certain way or you know, not appear as being vulnerable or weak or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really great to hear. So kind of coming back to you and you being a lover of, well, you're self-confessed fitness addict and lover of sport and adventure. So I'm, I'm curious to know what's the most challenging adventure or sporting slash fitness event you've done? What's been the most challenging one? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm a bit of a loose cannon in the fact that I have done some pretty insane activities. Um, there's one that sticks out in my mind and it was called, I can't remember what it was called. It was like a, uh, it was almost like SAS Australia, but it was overnight. So oh, wow. um, basically what happened is the, it was, it was a race, I guess, but there was started with 80 people and they tried to break you so that less than 10 finished. Um, oh my god! Yeah, so it started at seven PM at night, and you don't have a watch, so you don't know what time it is, and finished at seven AM the next morning. Um, and it was out in the bush; it was in winter, so it was freezing. Um, and like as preparation, you had a pack and you had all your food. So it got to seven PM, um, and they go put your pack on the floor and take out all your food. 
And then someone came around and collected all the food and took it off us. So straight away we had no food. <laughs> oh my then gosh. It was a series of like, they were mental and physical tests combined. So they would um, like, for example, it would be completely dark and they would go, um, all right, there's a point 10 Ks in the bush. Here's um, 20, kilo, uh, 20 kilos to put in your pack. Um, and they go, you have um, uh, X amount of time to get, to the point 10 Ks in the bush and back, but you don't have a watch. So you don't know how fast you have to go. You can't pace yourself. You can't see obstacles. You're tripping over. So you basically just have to go as fast as you can to make it or you get cut. Um, and then it's 3 a.m. and you're left in the middle of the bush. Oh, my god! <laughs> so it's things like that. And they would, like, put you in a freezing, like, uh, pond that was, like, up to your neck in water and you had to, like, hold a 20-kilo weight over your head for, like, I don't know how long it was. It felt like four hours, but it was probably just 10 minutes. But you don't have time, so you can't. It's like games like that, you know, where even just removing the element of time just made it so tough and brutal. Um, But it was so fun. I love that stuff. Like I I do, you know, I've done this like 24-hour race, right, where it's like – it's kind of like a loop with obstacles in the bush um, that you kind of do as many as you can in 24 hours. And it's like wading through like waist high mud where the moon just lights is lighting up the world. And I'm like, I would never be here and experience this if I didn't say yes to everything, <laughs> to just yeah. absolutely ridiculous things. You know, I did um, a Red Bull race um, called Red Bull Defiance. And like part of that was whitewater rafting through the Daintree rainforest in Queensland. And I was like, I would oh, never beautiful. get to see this. It's, it's just, yeah, unbelievable things. And they're like, pinch me moments when you absolutely just want to cry and and curl up in a ball and go home and have a shower and like have a hamburger. (laughs) But but you, you just, I feel like if you just stop and appreciate the moment and you go, wow, like I'm grateful that I'm here. I'm grateful that my body can do this. Um, I'm grateful that I've trained to get it to a point where I'm still functioning. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think, I think that's what keeps me saying yes and keeps me going back. Oh my gosh! Yeah. This, they they all sound insane, incredibly insane. I I'm curious to know what it is about those kinds of events that that makes you want to do it. Like before the first one you ever did, what was the what was the thing that compelled you to say yes to it? Um. Well, I'm a people pleaser, so I can't say no. So there's, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> um, that's a really good question. It's, I guess it kind of started when I was kind of in my teen years and, and kind of through my 20s. Like I was a swimmer growing up. Um, so that was my sport then. And then I kind of got into ocean swimming and I would almost like travel like that. I would do like weekends away to go to ocean swim. So it was kind of like combining travel with like an experience. And mm-hmm. um again, it just kind of started off like, you know, you'd be swimming and there'd be dolphins. And like, I'm like, these are these amazing experiences I get that I just wouldn't get if I just stood on the beach and kind of looked out. Um, And, you know, then when I stopped swimming, I would like, and like I lived overseas and, you know, I would travel places. I would always, as soon as I landed, I would go for a run and it's just the best way to see someone. And like, I remember being like, in Africa and going for a run and coming across like some zebras and stuff. And I'm like, I never would have seen this. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went for a run in LA once and saw um, Elaine from Seinfeld. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is cool too. Like this is like the LA version of zebras, you know, like it's, um, um, and then running like opened up this whole world to me. Um, and then I kind of went through the CrossFit journey where I like met incredible people through mm. through that kind of sport. Um, and again, that was kind of using my like endurancey kind of capacity. Um, and it just snowballed. It wasn't ever like an intention to say I want to do stupid things. It was like it just <laughs> snowballed. And these people I surrounded myself with were were incredible people, and and I wanted to be a part of that. And um, then I just started doing it for myself. And yeah, it's, that's kind of how it happened. It just, it wasn't intentional. It was just snowballed. 
And I just kept yeah. saying yes to stupider and stupider and stupider and stupider things. And then lockdown so happened and then I had a lockdown <laughs> body. So. <laughs> <laughs> so then what's the next thing then? Because, I mean, far mm. out. They sound so insane. What's the next thing on the bucket list? Because there must be something. Like I was going to bring up this this lovely hike that you did in, in Cradle Mountain in Tassie because I'm like, oh, that looks so beautiful. But yeah. these ones sound like super, super but, insane. But see, that's the thing. And like I, that's how I kind of like to travel and, and I kind of encourage people to do, do that. Like I remember one Saturday night, I didn't have anything on and it was literally like midday on Saturday. And I was like, I've really, I've never been up to the top of Mount Kosciuszko. So I Googled it and I was like, cool. So I drove down there, got an Airbnb on the way, um, stayed in Jindabyne and then looked up sunrise. And I was like, I want to be up the top for sunrise. And then you're driving at like 3.30 a.m. through the dark. There's a lot of wildlife around Mount Kosciuszko, by the way, like deers, kangaroos, like it's littered. So you have to drive at like 20 k's up, park the car, and then you run up Mount Kosciuszko, see the sunrise, run back down and drive back to Sydney. And I was like, that's one of my favourite weekends. Like I loved that. Um, wow. I, I realise I'm a total kook for doing that, but like it's um, – it just was like, you know, spontaneous. Um, I love keeping my fitness at a level where, I mean, please don't get me wrong. None of this stuff is easy. I'm not, I'm not an athlete by any means, <laughs> but I, I just like keeping fit. You know, I feel like functional fitness is a term that's been used probably overly, overly used at the moment, but I like keeping my fitness at a level where I can do fun things if I want to, you know, like yeah. if someone said, let's go kayaking on the mm-hmm. harbour this afternoon, I wouldn't struggle as much as I would if I had I wasn't physically prepared. Yeah. Um, you know, physical preparedness, I guess, is is kind of what I strive for. But that wasn't even your question. Your question was what's next? And I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the world's kind of opening up. So I guess anything is on the cards. Like events are kind of starting to come back, or I could just kind of create just my own travel. fun one. Yeah. And then yeah. do that again. Um, if you have any ideas, please let me know. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm going to brainstorm. So we might, maybe we should put a poll out for this episode and, and yeah. say, what, what, what should Scotty do next? <laughs> <laughs> there are some awesome ones in New Zealand. I would really love to do like a run in New Zealand. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, there'd be some beautiful views there. I mean, I love how you just kind of casually said, oh yeah, just ran up Mount Kosciuszko and ran back down and then went back to Sydney. Okay. Like, but again, that sounds yeah. <laughs> more impressive than it is. Like, it's, it's like, it's not very steep. It's not a mountain. It's a hill. <laughs> Still, still. Yeah. But I think, you know, you've got obviously got this sense of spontaneity and adventure, which keeps you just kind of wanting to go back for more, which is, which is cool. It's, it's a, it's a great way to live life. I think just to be able yeah, to get up and do it's fun stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So in your day-to-day life, your normal, quote unquote, normal life, what does your training routine look like? So to maintain this sense of sort of, you know, physical fitness where you can just kind of you know, go and do these kinds of things on the weekend. What does your, what do you do in terms of training? How many times a week do you train? What workouts do you sort of do? Um, kind of yeah, thing? again, a great question. Cause, um, I, uh, I still, I'll bring that analogy back. I'm like the puppy that just chases everything shiny. I think in my job, I'm extremely grateful cause I get kind of, I spend all day reading about training techniques and stuff. And I'm like, I love that. I love that. I love that. And I think that's probably why I kind of fell in love with like CrossFit. So I'll always kind of come back to like a CrossFit style of workout um, just because I like lifting, I like moving, but I can also, you know, just sit on a bike for an hour and be totally entertained with some good tunes and that sort of thing. Um, So, so broadly CrossFit, I guess. Um, okay. Sometimes, but I, I also just vibe it, you know, and I, I listen, what I've learned a lot in the last couple of years is just to listen to my body. You know, if mm-hmm. I have, a, I used to be so rigid and I was like, well, no, this is what is planned. And I had a lifting session today, but you know, like if I can feel that I have niggles or I'm tight or I'm just not up for it, if I'm not going to enjoy that session, I'm not going to do it. So I'll just pivot and I'll be like, cool. And, you know, some days as well with this job, I only have time. I don't have time to like get to the gym. So lacing, I'll lace up my runners, run to the park, do some like body weight stuff and come back. Um, If I have a bit more time, I can get to the gym, do that. Um, It's, it's a little haphazard. And, and I guess my advice to people, if they had a specific goal, 
would be not to do it that way. Um, <laughs> but, but I found what kind of works for me and it's, it's kind of a mix of, um, you know, I do train every day, which again is a little bit obsessive, but I, I also realize my life isn't typical. I don't have a family. Um, I don't have kids to look after. Um, yes, I have a, a demanding job, but I also get the luxury of working from home at the moment. So it, um, I do have a lot more time than a lot of people have. So, um, yeah. it's, um, and I've watched all of Netflix, so I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. <laughs> well, I love how you said that just that, you know, it depends on your goal because like, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. Like you said, if you're, if you're trying to achieve a certain goal, then obviously you're going to do a certain plan, but your goal is to maintain your level of fitness, which allows you that kind of flexibility to just kind of be, because I'm the same too. I'm a bit like all over the shop at the moment with the training and it's um, working in this space. It's like, you have the luxury of being able to drop into different gyms and see your mates and go yeah. and do different styles of training, right? But not everybody has that, but also they may have different goals. But are you are you loving that at the moment, just doing different things and like I am actually. Yeah. It's variety, right? It's like keeps you involved. It's it's Yeah. Cool. And you can kind of, like you said, I, I'll listen to my body a little bit and just see what I'm feeling. I mean, I, I used to be very regimented with w- what I was doing, um, but now it's just more, what do I feel like today? Do I feel yeah. like doing, you know, boxing? Do I feel like doing a strong workout? Do I feel like going for a run? Which hasn't been much lately, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of just going with it, I guess, which mm. is really which is really cool. I think that's one thing COVID has taught us is literally just to pivot and adapt yeah. um, and, and just kind of work with what you got. So, yeah, that's really cool to hear. Do you have a specific nutritional approach that you adhere to? <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is my downfall in nutrition. I am – I've studied nutrition, like, as part of my degree. Um, I just <laughs> hate cooking. Like, I just – I can't – I can't do it. I've like, I've really, really, really tried. Um, Are you one of those people that does, this is what I do, mixing things? So I'm happy to grab a bag of pre-mixed salad and put the dressing in or grab yeah. some like smoked assembling. salmon and put, assembling. assembling I'm great yeah. assembling, yeah. <laughs> so this, my, my thing is like I really appreciate people who can cook because I love eating, um, but I am never like, oh, I'm going to be hungry in four hours, so I'm going to put a slow-cooked lamb on. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm hungry. Let's go. Let's hit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, have we, what are we eating now? <laughs> yeah, I, I eat pretty well. Um, so I have as well, I have a lot of friends um, who are plant-based um, and, you know, just with some of these races that I've done, you know, I – have kind of thought and played around with that and been like, okay, cool. Well, like I know I've got a fitness base. Let's try and go plant-based in the lead up to see how I pull up compared to last time I did this or, or you know, something like that. And, and I have to be honest, like I am not plant-based now. I fell off into like a bed of milky goodness and it, it's just been glorious. But I know when I eat plant-based that I perform better, I recover better, but I hate cooking and plant-based when you hate cooking is so boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's really actually hard to get like the variety of nutrients that you need when um, you eat that way and you don't spend the time preparing your food. Mm. Um, but I kind of, you know, stick to, um, you know, grains, vegetables, um, meat and and kind of, you know, I think – Deep down, we all know what is good, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we also know what tastes great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I um, want to be better at with my nutrition, um, and and I just you know you just try and make healthy healthy choices. What I've recently started doing, and this was something during COVID when I feel like we had a lot of time to kind of really address these little <laughs> annoying nitpicky parts of our lives, was I kind of like I would go to eat things and I'd be like, okay, cool. Like look at this from a sports scientist perspective. Like how is this going to fuel this? And what am I going to use this for? Am I going to use this energy? Like what is it going to do kind of thing? So um, I also just, by the way, didn't have work for most of COVID. So, um, (laughs) so I had my brain went into overdrive on other things like that and went a little bit obsessive, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a nice way to just re re look at it. Yeah, look at look at what we're but doing. Yeah, with our assembly nutrition. is the way to go. I'm with you. 
Yeah, assembly is yeah. the way to go. So really, like, it's you're great at assembling. I think that we should just focus yeah. on that part. Lego, <laughs> Lego food, right? Like just Lego food. Yeah. Love it, love it. What other? I mean, and you know, we've been talking about mental health and and that kind of stuff. So, what do you do? Any other kind of mindfulness or mental health practices that you incorporate into your life for that um, aspect of your health? I sporadically meditate just because I've been doing. Um, I'm actually writing a book as well, and um, one of the chapters is on meditation, and and it's. I, this is the same thing when I write for men's health as well. If I'm doing something on a specific topic, I like to get an understanding of it. Um, so that's mm-hmm. the same with plant-based eating, um, meditation. I've never done, um, before, but I've been interviewing a lot of, uh, meditation teachers and I, I kind of feel like you can't deny the benefits of it. Um, it's just getting into that routine. So I sporadically do that, um, I take a lot of alone time. Um, that's mm-hmm. which sounds super simple, but but it is great for mental health. Um, you know, music is great for mental health. Um, I, I'm going to come across like a massive hippie here, but you know, like I really believe in like aromatherapy and like having yes. good smells and and just a nice place to work and live in as well. I feel like you know, just not having clutter and not holding onto things and forming attachment with things just simplifies your life and your mind. Um, Mm. Yeah, it's, um, that was a really long-winded answer. Maybe I don't don't have a handle on on my mind at the moment, but um, but yeah, no, they're, they're just little things like that. I feel like moving every day, um, staying hydrated, um, alone time and just, yeah, taking, just clearing life and and removing clutter. Yeah, I really like that. And I think, I I don't know which author who has said this, but basically your environment or how you kind of um, structure your environment is a, it's an outward expression of what's going on in your mind. So if your Mm. mind is cluttered, often you'll find that, your environment is cluttered. So if you can clear your environment, it does help you clear your mind. It's kind of like works yeah, both really, ways. Yeah, it really, really does, yeah. Um, so one of the things that I always talk to my guests about is rejection and failure because it's something that we all experience. So I am interested to know what has been your biggest or most notable rejection or failure and what have you learned from it? Um, I have been rejected a lot professionally. So um, I don't like, I, again, I'm, I'm super grateful for the job that I have and, and it's an amazing team to be part of, but there was a lot of rejection kind of going through that. I guess when COVID hit, men, long story short, men's health and women's health got um, sold and then we got closed um, when that pandemic hit. So there were six months where we kind of didn't work. And that was a real, real challenge because Prior to that, I'd been in the role for three years and I had tied my whole identity up to work. You know, I didn't date. I I rarely saw my friends. Um, You know, it's, I would work. I'd be at my desk from 7am till 7pm. You know, again, I don't, don't regret it at all because I love my job. It it was great, but I tied my whole identity up in my job. Um, and then to kind of realize, well, you can give your life to a job, but at the end of the day, you're just an employee and you're disposable. That was kind of a wake up call. And there was a real period where I struggled to separate my own value from men's health. And I was like, well, no one's going to want to hire me now because I don't work for men's health. No one's going to want to work with me now because I work for men's health. I'm not going to be able to, people aren't going to trust me to tell because I, you know, I had decided, you know, I'm a storyteller by that point. And I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And I was like, no one's going to, um, tell me their stories to share them. Um, And I remember I was working with a career coach, which ironically was um, paid for as part of a program, a mentoring program by the company that closed us. (laughs) Um, But they were, they were nice enough to let me keep working with her while we were closed down. And um, I was like, you know, moaning to her and saying like, you know, who am I? (laughs) Like, and I have all these stories that I want to share and, she just goes, why, Scott, like, have you ever heard of the internet? And I was like, well, yeah, of course I have. And she's like, why are you here telling me you can't share stories now? Like, and you can't fulfill your purpose. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, who cares if like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people don't read it in a magazine? Like, why are you doing this? And I was like, well, because I want to share people's stories so they inspire other people. And she goes, cool. Well, if you inspire one other person, 
is that mission accomplished? And I was like, well, yeah. And she goes, cool. Like post them on LinkedIn, put like, put a website together, like (laughs) do an Instagram story. She's like, you are not men's health. You are Scott Henderson. You will find a way if this is what you want to do. Um, and that's actually where sneakers, the website started from was I was sitting on a whole bunch of, um, interviews and stories for men's health. And there also wasn't a place to share men's health, the topic stories, you know, Mm. like topic stories on men's health. Um, so I was like, all right, well I'll start doing that. And that's kind of how it started. And then the podcast was birthed from that. And yeah, it kind of worked because there wasn't something there. Um, yeah. It's such so, a cool story. Yeah, it, it kind of is, I guess, in a way, because it, it really showed, I mean, this is the stuff that we would write about all the time is people facing kind of problems and, and you know, hard times in their life and facing kind of internal crisis. And, um, yeah, to then kind of go from it and you're like, oh, shit, I have to take my own advice now. <laughs> I hope I was right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so cool because I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, you hear about is is when I guess things that we don't expect or things that we don't want to happen come up, they're sort of the birthing place for a lot of really cool things. They're often the place of where some new ideas can come up and, and new ventures start, which is which is so cool. And and also, you know, the website's awesome and and you're producing awesome content that is inspiring men and women. Um to live a healthy lifestyle, which is really cool. Oh, thank you. So my other, my final question actually for you is if you had an overarching life philosophy or mantra that you try to live your life by, what would that be? Okay, I always feel really guilty because I ask similar questions in my interviews <laughs> and I always think, I'm like, I would never be able to answer this. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> I know, but the thing is, I feel like, I don't have an overarching life philosophy um, just because I feel like I'm changing all the time and mm. and it would be the same, I guess, with yourself. Like if you do an interview a week, like you might get a buzz off that person and you'll be like, that's great advice. I'm going to live like that or that's great advice. So I guess it's kind of like I, I kind of live by codes that uh, apply to me in a certain moment. Um, and I guess at the moment it's uh, it, it's like I guess that, you know, what we talked about before is like the most successful people in life and the happiest people are living authentically and, and kind of being true to themselves and who they are. And I guess that's how I'm trying to live at the moment. Um, don't get me wrong, not every as- other aspect of my life is sorted out as well. So once I kind of get a semi-grip on this, I'll move on to something else. But um, it's, I, I feel like we're all works in progress. So um, in terms of like a philosophy at the moment, that that's kind of the, kind of the thing is, is, um, is you do you, but, um, I think it's Chris Hemsworth's, um, life motto is probably the broadest and, and kind of most appropriate. And I think that's, it's like, uh, be nice, have fun, do cool shit. <laughs> and that kind of sums it up. Right. Cause like, you know, you want to be great to the world outside yourself. Um, you want to have fun yourself. That's why we're here. And, um, yeah, just keep living life. Yeah. I love that. It's so simple, but you're right. You know, and, and too, like, like you said, we, we are always changing. We're always evolving as people. And, but it's cool to know that, that the piece about authenticity, I think is, is hugely important. So it's, it's really, really cool. It's funny. Like we're always, all at least I hope, you know, that we're trying to always like treat other people with respect and be nice, but we're always the last ones to treat ourselves that way. Um, and, and I think it's, I mean, I can only speak for my context, but you know, I kind of always thought that that was selfish to look after myself. Um, and it's really not like you, you don't have to apologize for wanting, for being kind to yourself. (laughs) That's, that's not arrogance. It's not, um, you know, it's, it's not being self-centered, you know, it all starts from within. And if you're not kind to yourself and you're not telling yourself nice thoughts, how are you going to say nice things to other people? You know, um, if your internal monologue is always negative. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Totally agree with you. And I think, yeah, it's this thing where we've got to feed our minds and bodies first so that we can give. It's almost like that thing of filling up, filling up your own cup first so yeah. that you can you, you know, can't fill cause... someone else's cup from an empty cup. That's so exactly. true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So where can people find you 
and men's health and sneakers and all the good stuff that you're doing? <laughs> um, well, men's health uh, is obviously uh, at newsagents, uh, supermarkets, uh, dentists' waiting rooms, um, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so the magazine is out there um, where menshealth.com.au for all the online stuff. Um, I sneakers, uh, we have our podcast on the Nova network. So if you go to Nova's, um, socials that they're all there, um, or live life in sneakers.com. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just Scotty Hendo. Like I'm <laughs> Scotty Hendo, just Scotty Hendo on Instagram. Yeah. So, um, awesome. yeah, I mean, there are a lot of touch points, which is good. It's a really good time to be in media because there's so many ways we can connect with our audience and, um, yeah. And it, thank you again. Like, it, it's great to, um, yeah, I, I always feel like I don't have a story, you know. <laughs> I, so it's, it's, it's great to talk. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for being on the show. And I'm so, I'm so glad that we got to catch up this way. And, you know, I, I know that you said, like, you don't have a story, or, but, but you do. And that's the thing is, like, you will never know what your story will bring to someone who's listening. There might be, you know, something that resonates with them. So I'm so grateful that you have shared your story on the podcast. So Anytime. thank you again for being on the show. So, guys. Thanks for listening as well. Um, we're going to drop all of those links in the show notes. So you make sure you check out all of the good stuff that Men's Health, Live Life in Sneakers and Scotty Hendo are doing. Tell us what you loved and learnt from this episode and drop it in a review at Apple Podcasts and also screenshot this and tag us and share it to your socials. And um, thanks again for listening, guys. And we'll catch you next time on the Rach Active Podcast. Podcast.